Awesome. As Brian said, Brian, did you, uh, did you look at my sermon notes or something? What's up? That's how I know the Spirit, God's Spirit is alive and well. Amen. Amen. So, um, man, I, I um, first off, my name's Ethan. Hi. Hello. Good morning. I'm not convinced that Kansas is meant for people to live in. <laughs> I'm just, you know, the, the uh, indigenous people that lived here, you know, before Europeans came in, they were, they didn't really settle a whole lot. They moved around. It's like, yeah, they were following the bison, right? No, they were running away from the cottonwood trees. <laughs> I'm telling you, every year, they dropped like twice this year. It dropped and I was like, okay, it's over. You know, my daughter and I react really badly to it. And then it dropped again. Uh, I don't know how you're feeling this morning, but I got my tea in here. You can probably hear it in my voice a little bit. So please bear with me. Amen. <laughs> yeah, amen. Also, I'm working off my phone. Internet went out this morning. I couldn't print my notes. And so, um, no, I'm not checking, like, anything for the NBA Finals. Uh, don't send me funny text messages, please, because I don't want to get distracted. <laughs> Josh, I'm looking at you. <laughs> so, amen. Oh, get a little interference here. Uh, the, today, this is exciting. This is exciting, man. Uh, it's great to see people that we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, it's great to see new people that we, maybe we haven't met yet. Um, this is an amazing thing that God is doing among us. You know, um, we, we've been talking about, if you've been here, if you've been visiting at all, you've been coming and listening, we've been talking about God's mission. What is God's mission? What does it mean to be on mission. In the summertime, we're out and about. We're getting vaccinated, we're going out, we're hanging out with people, we're trying to get back to normal, whatever normal was, right? I don't know about you, but that's what that's kind of what we've been doing. We've been getting back out there. We've been trying to, in our small group, we're talking about, hey, how are we going to get back out and be just part of the community, the broader community? And so as we do that, it feels like we've got to talk about how do we invite other people into the gospel? How do we do that? And who else, to, who else better to look at than Jesus? Amen. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're, we're beginning a new series today called The Invitation. The Invitation. And I want us to start today by looking at this question, thinking about this question. Who's invited? Right? Classic. Someone give me just the classic Sunday school answer. Who's invited? Everyone. And it's true. Amen. Thank God. Everybody's invited. Scripture is clear on that. First Timothy 4, 2. You can look at it. God wants everybody. Ezekiel 18. We'll look at that together. When we look at Jesus' life, though, he's, he's doing something special, right? God is wanting everybody to dwell with him again, right? Yes? Do you believe that? I hope so. It's true. But we see Jesus is honing in on particular people. Have you noticed that in Jesus' stories? Is he going up to random people? Or do you think he's intentionally intentionally seeking out particular people? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. That's what we're going to look at. We'll be looking at a couple passages, Luke 5 and Matthew 22. If you you are one of the flip-ahead kind of people. You're going to flip there and have your thumb there or something, but that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. While God wants people to be saved, Jesus focused on those whom the community had ended up neglecting. 
Uh, they had neglected being a blessing to these people that Jesus would deliberately go after. Jesus was aware of the people in the community, and he encountered them with dignity and love. And he sought to redeem them and restore them. So if you're a question person, the big question is, who did Jesus focus on inviting uh, into the gospel life? Who did Jesus focus on inviting? Why them? And how do we do that too? Amen? Because that's what we're doing, right? That's what we're here for? Amen? Okay. Let's do this. Let's go Luke 5. All right. The unusual and effort to save my voice and get other people involved. Can I get one of the young people to come up here and read a passage on the microphone? Or anybody. Young is young is relative. Amen. Hey. We're gonna have some public reading of scripture. Yeah, yeah, up to the microphone right here, and I'll step I'll turn mine off. And then can you read Matthew five? Okay. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sector complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered to them, It is not wait, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Yeah, that's thirty one. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, read one more, read one more verse. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repent. Hey. Hey, hey let's give it up for Riley. That's cool. You can leave me hanging, but Jesus won't. Amen, amen. Thanks, Riley. Hey, let's go. Oh, man. Thank you, Riley. I might be calling on someone else here in a little bit, too. Jesus calls sinners, sinners, right? Sinners. Um, Often people that are neglected by uh, the community end up needing to find other ways to get their needs met. Is that true or not? Right? Um, And that often happens, I'm sure we can relate to this, that often happens in sinful ways. When you feel like you need to get, we're just talking about this, you've got to get yours, you've got to take care of yourself, right? We often do that in ways that aren't best for us or the community, in sinful ways. And this becomes a cycle. People that have been isolated by the community or neglected by the community, feeling their needs in sinful ways, and then they get further neglected by the community. Amen? Okay. They had unmet needs, they, and they sought uh, to get them met however they could. How do we view the sinners in our system today, in our circles? And I'm being super vulnerable. Past. Just drive downtown, folks. Just drive downtown. What are your thoughts? Now, I'm asking myself this. Amen. What are your thoughts? As you encounter people that are in need or that we would, in our society, consider, consider the sinners, right? How did they get there? Right? How did they get there? I think Jesus, oh man, he had empathy. Jesus had empathy. We're talking about tax collectors. 
Oh my goodness. Jesus had empathy. You know, the, the, needy are, uh, the needy are people who have been placed into a situation or lifestyle of neglect. Amen? Yeah. And the needy, they're like the sick. Those who believe they are well don't go to a doctor. Right. Do they? No? Can't even someone be sick and still talk themselves into being like, I'm okay? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, you guys know, yes. And I think this is a situation here that we're dealing with. You know, I, I don't need to say anything about it because Brian did an excellent job talking about the dynamic. Here it's a calling of Levi. He's talking about the dynamic of tax collectors in the culture. We don't know how Levi, which is Matthew, by the way, we don't know how he got there. Was that a position he, like, volunteered for? Is that something his dad signed him up to do? We really how he got there we just know that he's there and we do know that the community does not like him right, right? how do you get out of something like that well you got to get yours you got to make more money off these taxes that you're collecting so that you can eventually elevate and get yourself to a place of freedom right, right. You, you follow that yes the cycle the cycle yeah. I think Levi knew this and I think deep down when people are in a place like this, they know it. They know it. And um, it's kind of like this. I want to talk about this dynamic. Uh, we're talking about who's invited. The first thing I want to say, oh, see, this is the mistake of doing things on my phone. I skipped something. Um, the, fir the first thing I want to say is, who is Jesus calling? Let me tell you this. Let me give you a handle. We've been talking about handles. Jesus is calling the needy and the outcast. The needy and the outcast. That's who we see when you read the gospel, when you, when you look at Jesus, who is he talking to? Who is he interacting with? Who is he pulling in? The needy and the outcast. Yeah? Absolutely. That's where Levi's at. Like, how could he be needy? Where's his place in the community? Where's his place in the community? Jesus, I think Jesus knew that Matthew was needy, right? Matthew was needy. He was, he was needy for belonging. He was, he was needy and community, and we know this by his response, because what did he do as soon as, as Jesus called him? What did, Matt, what did Levi do? He threw a feast, man. He invited people out. He's like, hey, let's get together. Let, this guy's going to bring us back into the community. He's going to redeem us. As a result, he becomes one of the 12. You know, I think there's something here we've got to consider. When we talk about who is invited, we know, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, everyone's invited. Let's just talk about it now. First Timothy 4. All right. Just kidding. First Timothy 2. In 1 Timothy 2, it's really simple. We spent all this time flipping to it. I'm going to make a really quick point here. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants everyone to be saved. But does everybody want God to save them? And how do we help navigate people to that place in life? 
You know, you can go look it up. There's, there's tons of research online. You can go look it up. There's a common thread. There's been research done, surveys done to kind of collect demographics on uh, not, not even just within Christianity, but religion in general, right? You know what the largest group of like church attenders is? people as people who have need right. you know what the the least per like per capita is that the right term per capita the small percentage of people socioeconomically the wealthy people <laughs> wealthy people right within that category the smallest percentage that goes uh, and, and attends a church regularly why do you think that is do you feel like they they're in a place in life where they feel like they need no no I think Jesus Jesus goes for the needy because they know they need help. They know they need rescue. We all need rescue, but but you've got to be in a place where you're willing to accept it. And the needy, they, they're like, okay, I, I need to accept it. It's kind of like if you had the shingles versus like an internal tumor. This is weird, I know. But shingles is like outside. It's on the skin. You can see it, and you can visibly, you can be like, that person needs some medication or something. Get something. Ointment, I don't know. How do you treat shingles? I don't know. Help him out. He needs some help. And you know what? I bet that person recognizes that. They're like, they not only know they have shingles, but they know everyone else knows they have it. Right? There's no hiding that. You know, they're needy. Versus someone who might have like a tumor or a cancer or something inside. They might not even know. There might be slight symptoms there. Like, I don't need to go get, get it checked out. You can have it growing in you and it can't even be seen. You following me on this? I think there's some places in life where it's just more obvious where we are in need. And I think Jesus is like a heat-seeking missile after these people that the community has neglected being a blessing to. Amen. Let's, we're connecting dots here. We're connecting dots here. He's also came for the outcast. The outcast. These are people that have been placed on the perimeter of the community. They, and they're yearning. These people typically are yearning to be redeemed and become part of something bigger than themselves. Let's go to Matthew 22. Does this make sense? Yeah. It's an old saying that might help you out right now. Eat the meat, leave the bones. <laughs> Whatever's making sense and whatever's God speaking to your heart, you know, take that, write that down. Amen? All right, Matthew 22. Can I get another uh, young person to read this one? It's a little longer. I know, right? Come on up, Jocelyn. Come on up. Hey, let's go. I do the teacher thing. I look for the people that are, like, avoiding eye contact and stuff like that. Hey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. And I'll turn off my. Jesus also told them the other parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited. But they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went on their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. 
The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought everyone in that they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and his feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. Yes. Yes. Let me... Imagine having a wedding party that's so awesome that the people that don't get invited are outside screaming. They're like, ah, let me in. Anyways, I just thought that was funny. Thank you, Emily. Um, man, okay, there's context here, context here. Brian hooked me up with a context for the calling of Matthew, so that was awesome. You know I got about context a little bit, a little bit, right? You know, it's good for you. Context here. Jesus came in, the triumphal entry, right? How he rode into Jerusalem. Not on a war horse, right? What do you ride in on? Yeah, we know this, guys. Yeah, yeah, we know this. I know it's April, but we still know the story, right? Yeah, he did, right? He made his entry, right? He, he did. The triumphal entry is what it's called. And, and the whole time, his interactions with the religious complex of Jerusalem is they are not accepting him as the Messiah, so he goes into this mode. He's like, you know what? I'm going to lay it out in a way they may or may not understand. If you're listening, you'll hear it. But if your ears aren't listening to God, you won't hear this. He starts laying out parables. And he's talking about how God's, okay, you're not going to accept the Messiah. Now now listen to this. And he starts laying out these parables. Talking about who's invited. Who's God going to accept? You want to me about who's God going to accept? Ooh, right? That's where you do the middle school. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, and, and, and something that's important to note here is that when there was a wedding feast, two invitations would get sent out. One would be sent out saying, save the date, invited. And then another would be sent out when it was ready. Like, okay, come now. Food's hot. I don't know how that works. People had to travel a long way. <laughs> right? No matter. I don't know how they did it. Anyways, they got two invitations, right? What happened? Did they do it? Did they even respond to either one? These people that the king invited? Neither one. Nothing. Nothing. So he, what, is, what is his response? Bring them in. Bring them in. Who? Everyone. Everyone. Bring them in. Something else that's interesting here is that with these wedding invitations, wedding clothes would be sent out too. What you're supposed to wear. Yeah, imagine that. You get hooked up with a new outfit when you get invited to a wedding. Uh-huh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> imagine, yeah. And I don't know, that function has kind of like your ticket. Like you sneak in, but you don't got the right clothes on. Whoa. You don't belong in here. This isn't your party. There's a lot of deep meaning there. We could think about, talk about for a long time. The king sent out for anyone. It says, uh, depending on your translation, uh, it says the bad as well as the good. Don't matter. Bring them in. Doesn't matter. 
the good as well as the bad, people that were on the outside, people who didn't get that invitation initially, people who weren't a part of the, the elect people of God, Israel. This is what it's talking about, guys. This is what it's talking about. Bring them in. Good and the bad, it doesn't matter. God gave the outcast. This is what he's talking about. He's giving the outcast belonging and identity by inviting them in, clothing them, by feeding them a feast. As much as this parable is for the Pharisees and the religious complex of, remember, God may not accept you. You don't accept him. He may not accept you. As much as this parable is for the Pharisees, it's also for the outcasts that are listening. You're invited to be a part of this. Who is the needy and the outcast? Now, how did Jesus invite these people in? Right? We're going to be spending the next six weeks watching Jesus invite people in in different aspects of gospel life. But it's real easy. Here's the handle for this. How did Jesus invite people in? Show and tell. Show and tell. I'm not going to just tell you about God. I'm not just going to tell you about the gospel. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you healing, community, walking together, partnership, fellowship. Jesus invited the needy and outcast by showing them the gospel life, not just telling them about it. He didn't do his piece in the synagogue, read the passage, drop his little piece, and then like go away. No, he devoted most of his time to living it out. As we enter into the season, the season of the invitation, the season of inviting people, others, into the gospel life to join us in the gospel story, Jesus provides us the best example. So how can we do that? Okay, this is a jumping off point. How can we do that? How can we do that? How can we invite needy people into the gospel life? Let's break this down real quick. Okay? I don't often get super practical. That's not really my bag. For some reason, God put it on my heart. Let's break this down a little bit. Okay, so for the pragmatic people sitting down right now, you are probably like, yeah, let's do this, right? How do we, how do we invite, maybe it won't be after you hear it, I don't know. How do you invite needy people into experiencing the gospel life? It's really easy. You do it by helping meet their needs. And that can be in a lot of different things. People can be needy for money. could be needy for food, for, for medical care, for shelter. They could be needy for a lot of things. It could be needy like Matthew was. He was needy for community, to be accepted. Regardless of the choice he made to be a tax collector, if that was his choice, he was still needing that, right? And I don't want to get too deep into this, and you may have heard it. You've done like a psychology class or something, but like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Have you guys heard that? I think I talked about this before, too. But there's something, I think there's something there. We want to just kind of drop, like, scriptures on people, and it's like saying, go be warm and well-fed, but doing nothing about it. I think the Bible talks about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. We want people to come join in the gospel life. We want them to, to experience God and the Spirit and the family. We do. We really do. Right? But some people just have too much noise in their life. They have too much going on much need where they just can't hear that that's where we got to get in there we got to get our hands dirty we got to go to them what are your needs how can we help you what do you what what can i do right you with me 
People have basic needs that need to be taken care of. We got to be in touch with those two. We got to, I, I think something we can do, a part of this series is about, this is about us being able to articulate and live out the gospel individually and collectively. I think this, this goes for both of those angles, individually and collectively. Uh, we've got to be able to be in touch with the needs of people around us and to be able to anticipate that, right? Yeah. Just always tell you what they need. No, no way. How many of you, I'm super bad at this. Oh my, do you need anything? Can I do anything for you? Oh man, it's so good to see the Edwards back. Good to see them here in person. Um, they had a situation going on when their kiddos was sick and I'm like, oh man, I hit up Devontae. I'm like, hey man, anything I can do for you? Dude is probably like not even by his phone <laughs> trying to help out. I just got, we got to go to people, amen? We got to go to people. We've got to develop close relationships where you can learn and anticipate the needs of others. I think there's another piece here that's really important and we can take for granted. We've got to lean into the, the, the equipping we've been blessed with. We've spent years, y'all, if you've been around for any point in time here in the Wichita Church of Christ, you know we've spent some time really digging into the spiritual, emotional piece of the gospel. You know what I'm talking about if you've been here. We have. We've dug deep. Emotionally healthy spirituality, right? Uh, good enough parenting. We've talked about the love languages. I was like way long ago. Love travel, those sorts of things. We've received a lot of training, conflict resolution stuff, a lot of great stuff that we're blessed with. Not, not every group gets blessed with those kinds of things. We've been talking about those kinds of things. This is where that stuff has, has, has weight here. It's not, guess what? That stuff wasn't just for you. It wasn't just for me. It was for us to use with them out there. Let's lean, let's lean into that a little bit. Let's lean into that. Let's help train one another, one another up. If we got people that have moved in or weren't here for those things, let's share that with them. Let's equip people to be able to anticipate the needs of people they encounter. And I think this is an important piece here, talking about how do we meet, uh, how do we help invite needy people into the gospel life? We have to understand that God is everyone's ultimate need. God is everyone's ultimate need. We're not going to be able to meet all of their needs. We cannot. That's not how we're made. They need God. We just want to help them get to a place where they can see their need for God. We want to help create space in their life so they can see the gospel life. Go, whoa, this is different. Amen? Amen. Let's talk about the outsiders, too. This is a little bit of a different angle. There's some overlap. But how do you invite outsiders, people that have been kind of pushed out in the community? How do you invite them into the gospel life? You know, there's a common theme here. I'd probably say more with outsiders is that underneath it seems to be an issue of identity, typically. The community maybe has stripped them of that and said, you're not a part of the community. Then they have to go figure out their own identity. Or however they end up in that place. Um, and you know how I mentioned earlier that when we have like fulfilled needs or, or, or we have a lack of identity, we're going to find it one way or another. Right. And it's usually the other. You know what I mean? Like it's usually not so good. Right. Let's go to Ezekiel. Right. Let's go to the Hebrew Bible here. Ezekiel chapter 18. 
And uh, okay, I'll I'll spare our young people. Thank you guys for helping out. Let me read a couple passages here, though. I won't I won't read the whole thing. Read the whole thing. <clears throat> Amen. Uh, Ezekiel 18. Read the whole thing, but I'm going to read a couple uh, a couple verses from this passage that I think is shed light on an aspect of God's heart that doesn't get talked about enough. It doesn't get talked about enough. In verse 23, this is, and this is God, right? This is God. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? Sovereign Lord. Father, am I not pleased when they turn their ways and live? Right? Oh, I love the questions. He's like, yeah, yeah. You have to say yes, right? <laughs> And in verse 32, for I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord, repent and live. I wish this was talked about more. I wish, I wish I talked about this more as I share the gospel with people. Because I think when we get into the in life and we allow whatever else, people just assume that they can't be part of the gospel life. They assume I don't fit whatever. I don't fit the, the format. I won't even be accepted inside the building. Whatever. You know, weren't you in that place at one time? I know I was. Weren't you? I, de- I definitely was. Like, I can't, this is, I can't do this. I can't, I can't be good enough. Right? You know, God wants everybody. God wants everybody. So this is, you invite outsiders, you show them that they belong, despite what they've done. Walk with them. Like in the parable, feed them, feast with them, clothe them. The, the, the bad, the wicked, in Scripture, the word wicked is used a lot, especially in the Hebrew Bible. The wicked, the wicked are in a state of decay. And which one of us is not? Amen. I think the gospel is pretty clear that we're all, outside of Christ, we're all sinners. Wicked are dying physically and spiritually. And they know it. We all knew it. We didn't know how to articulate it, but they're grasping for something greater. They're grasping for something greater. So you don't got to remind them. (laughs) You don't got to remind and tell them that they're, they're sinful. They know it. Right. And maybe as you get to know them a little bit better, as you dig into their life, maybe you need to help show them the word, which will illuminate. Amen. Right. But then it's not even you. It's God. Right. It's the word. We don't need to do that. We don't need to write it on a sign or put it on a bumper sticker. No. We just need to show people they belong in God's family. What happens if we don't show people and we only tell? Oh, man. Okay. I'm going to use a, a, an example here. Back a long time ago. It wasn't that long, but it was long. It was like in 20, 2013. I was uh, blessed to be able to do some cam- uh, campus internship on Wichita State campus. And um, there was this guy that came out to our Bible talk. He's such a cool guy. I won't say his name. He's such a, oh, man. He was so just friendly, just very genuine. You just meet those people and they're like, they just want to be your friend. This, that was this guy. But he had a lot of things going on in his life, a lot of identity stuff, a lot of identity stuff. And my solution 
in my ignorance, my lack of understanding Jesus, was I'm just going to keep doing Bible studies with him until he eventually figures it out. I missed out on the opportunity to invite him into our home, to hang out with him, to eat with him, to pull him in. Needless to say, he wasn't very interested in becoming a disciple. And I don't have to wonder why anymore. I was confused back then. But now I'm like, it's no, no figure. Like, I didn't show him. I didn't walk with him. I didn't live with him. I didn't pull him in. I didn't bring him in like Jesus did. There might even be instances where you try to do that and people still don't want it. Amen? Because everyone has a, de- a decision to make, a choice. But there's a lot at stake if we just want to tell people, right? You just want to, yeah, just, hey, come on up to church Sunday. It's cool. Yeah, okay. And you think that's just going to do it. You've got to live life with them. You've got to show them. You've got to bring them in. You know what? Challenge, challenge. I know we're not doing the one-minute missions anymore, but challenge here. You ready? Yeah. Invite someone to your house before you invite them to a church service. How's that sound? Not that we don't want people here, guys. We want people here. Amen. But that's not what it's all about. People being in this room on a Sunday morning. Invite them to your house before you invite them here. We can't afford to not show people the gospel life like Jesus did. So let's, let's turn back one more time. First Timothy 2.4. We're already there. But I think this is a good way to kind of bookend uh, the message this morning. God, this is good, pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants all people. He wants all people. So as we go out on mission, as we go out on summer, as you hit grocery store, I was going to say Chick-fil-A for lunch, they're closed. I don't know, Arby's? (laughs) Wherever you go, Jason's Deli, I don't know. Whatever it is, as you go about your week, you are on mission. Let me remind you of that. No matter what you do, you're on mission, first off. You don't choose when you're on mission. You are always on mission. Amen? Let's remember that. You remember that. As we go out on mission and we invite others and we want to invite others in, we, we desperately want to invite other people in to experience Jesus. Amen? Don't you want that? We're inviting them in with us. We're inviting them to live with us, to walk with us, and experience the gospel life that God intended. So let's do that. Let's do that. Let's just stop there. Let's do that. Let's be in touch with the needy and outcast. Amen. Can we do that? Can we invite uh, invite them into our lives and walk with them as Jesus did? Can we do that? Amen. Let's pray. (laughs) Father God, we need you. We need you so much. It could be so easy tempting to be a community that wants to get off easy. It can be easy for me as an individual to want to get off easy. But God, we need you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you fill us with the knowledge and wisdom and discernment to see the people around us, to not ignore them, to be able to see their need, to anticipate them, and invite them into your gospel life. That's what you did with And we are so grateful for that. Help us to believe that. Help us to be that. And to you alone be the glory. No matter how many people are in this room on a Sunday morning, it doesn't matter, God. To you be the glory as we walk as Jesus walked. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.
Amen.